0: Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Greg Detmeyer. Sitting across from me is Jenny J. hill Hillebrand. She's dusting the mic off. And since we are sitting here talking to each other about school-related stuff, this is the Instructional Coaching Corner podcast. Jenny, last time we talked, it was snowing. Today, it's we should almost be set up outside. <laughs> it is gorgeous out. It is beautiful. How are you doing?
1: Good. Yeah, I definitely, I love how you said dusting the... Dusting the microphones off. It's been a while.
0: It was it was literally dusting the yeah. microphones off.
1: I actually listened to our last pad podcast just so you know we could remember what we were talking about because it's been so long. And I brought up how we were supposed to have like fifteen inches of snow by whatever date. I thought, wow, that was that was a while ago. So we're glad to be back. I'm glad to be back.
0: Yeah, because in, in live time it is May seventh. <laughs> Although the snow for us here in Iowa really stopped like two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. So it was pretty crazy yeah. winter. Yeah. Um, Jenny, so last time you said you were listening to our podcast, and I know at the end of it, I said, hey, stay tuned. We're going to be releasing some more podcasts breaking down this guided reading stuff. We're yeah. not going to be doing that at this time. Can you tell us why?
1: I can. So. We, uh, we're we're in the process of starting a literacy, we have a literacy team going and we are in the process of looking at some new reading curriculum and we have some really, really good things brewing, really good things uh, happening and starting. And so knowing that we really want to give our listeners the best information on guided reading Uh, we decided to kind of take a step back from that this year. And we are going to jump in with that at the very beginning of next year. Reason being, uh, there's a couple trainings that we're going to go through this summer that really are going to break down um, what guided reading is. And the last time we had talked about the different components of guided reading. And these uh, trainings that we're going to go through are really going to break down some of those components as well. And so just so that we can make sure that we have the most knowledge that we can, and provide the best information we can, we decided to kind of hold off on those um, progression podcasts on guided reading. But what we are going to do is we're going to... Because
0: if we didn't, we'd probably have to (laughs) re-record.
1: We may have to, yes.
0: To redo it because... We'd have all this knowledge and then we'd listen to the, our past selves from a few months ago and be like,
1: what was wrong with us? We didn't know what we were talking we about. We may have to say, okay, so everything we told you from the last three podcasts, strike that, delete that from your memory, and here's all the new good information. Because so.
0: we're going to be learning from a person. Right. And currently we've just educated ourselves from books.
1: Yes, which a lot of knowledge has come from those books. And I feel like we could do a great job of giving you all the information. Um, But I think sometimes our reality of what we're reading and how we implement that in our classrooms can sometimes be different than what we would hear coming from the presenter who actually wrote the book. And so I'm excited for that opportunity that we're just going to hear firsthand. um, The things that we've done well through our own book study learning and things that maybe we need to tweak just a little bit to make it even better. So we want to make it even better for you the first time instead of having to come back and try to uh, adjust and make changes.
0: So really it's like a public service. We don't want to waste anyone's time (laughs) by listening to us ramble about what Greg read in a book because we know his comprehension level. We want to wait till we have have been officially trained or just uh, acquire a little more knowledge. So what are we doing today? Just going to hang out here? Look at these kids out there playing on the playground. Look at the sun.
1: We could go. I see somebody sunbathing over there. They're actually laying on the ground just sunbathing. Yeah. I think Um. that kid fell. (laughs) Well, hopefully there's an adult out there to help. So actually what we're going to do today is kind of, we talked a little bit about it last time, not a a ton, um, but the first thing that we did in thinking about a new reading series was kind of going back to what does it mean to be a teacher of reading? Craig, how would you answer that question? So in your years of teaching, how have you been a teacher of reading?
0: It's a good question, Jenny. It's a deep question. It's a hard one to answer. I would say the big thing to me, and I don't know if this is what you're trying to fish from me, because it looks like you're trying to get me to say a certain answer, and I'm sitting here noteless, <laughs> and you have a book and a bunch of papers over there.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the I... roles have changed. They have turned. I finally asked Deer GD. In the headlights look right I finally here. asked him a question that he doesn't know how to respond to. I,
0: I feel... <laughs> that we need to know our readers as readers as opposed to just a number
1: yep so how would be
0: a big shift in the way that i've done it in the past and how i would go back and redo it
1: Mm -hmm. so when i thought of myself as a teacher a teacher of reading i would have answered that question and i would still answer that question as to teach to be a teacher of reading i knew what level my students were at and I was making sure that my students were accurately and fluently reading at the various text levels with 90% or 94% accuracy. Um, I would say that I was a teacher of reading with whole group that I followed my series. And this week they told me to teach vowel teams. And this week they told me to teach this. So I was a teacher of reading, but I was a teacher of reading based off of what curriculums were telling me to do. And also with that level that you were talking about um, that level to me was more if they can read it with 94% accuracy. So within the the various levels that kids were reading, I didn't think about all the other layers that come with those levels. So me being a teacher of reading, I I feel like I was a surface level teacher of reading. Um, and there there's a book that we've been reading that has kind of changed our mindsets and kind of shifted us to think about being a teacher of reading differently.
0: Correct. So I think... What you kind of said was everything I was trying to say, as far as like <laughs> knowing our readers as readers and not just a number. So like in my days of special ed, I always knew their IEP goals. I'm like, well, they have to read this many correct words per minute in in this amount of time. So when someone would say, how are they doing or what do they like as a reader? I would say, well, they're reading 78 correct words per minute. They're 21 correct words per minute below their goal and here's how we're going to get there as opposed to what's it actually look like when they're reading what can they do what can't they do because that one number doesn't tell us a whole lot Mm -hmm. although it does tell us some good stuff but it doesn't tell us like the nitty-gritty what are they able to do or not do as a reader
1: well and again so i'm gonna when you said they're reading 71 words per minute that's 21 below Um, where their IEP goal is at, or even like in within the classroom. And the first grade goal is 63 words per minute. Now they're reading at 41 words per minute, which is roughly 20 some below where they're supposed to be. We we start to say, okay, well, it's a fluency issue. So we need to work on fluency because they're not reading as fast as they need to be. But are there errors that they are consistently making? And are we using those errors to drive our interventions, our MTSS time? And also, what are we teaching the kids about how to be readers and what we're we're teaching them during our large group instruction and even during our small group instruction? Are we teaching them to transfer that into their independent reading? And that's where I think the book comes in. Um, I'm going to bring up a, a book. It's called Mindsets Mindsets and Moves, Strategies That Help Readers Take Charge. Um, it's a book by Gravity Goldberg, and it is a book that we've been kind of studying and reading for the last few months. Um, and it, it talks about just that, how we really need to make sure that when we're working, when students are reading, um, that things that we're teaching them during our whole group instruction is being transferred into what they're doing at the independent reading level. Um, it kind of goes into students being able to independently decide what they want to read based off their interest, um, books of their choice.
0: So that would be for like their independent reading.
1: Yes, that we're not putting restrictions on what they can and can't read. Um, you know, if you have a student that maybe isn't quite ready for chapter books, but they pick up a Magic Treehouse book or they pick up Boxcar Children, that we wouldn't say to them, oh, that that one's too hard for you. You can't pick that book. You know, that we're... That's a book that they're interested in. So maybe they don't read it on their own. Maybe they would have taken it home and said, hey, mom, I don't know this word. Or mom, can you read this book with me? But instead of putting that restriction on them saying, no, that book's too hard for you. You can't read it. We are letting them choose independently what they want to read. And they're self-motivating. They're motivating themselves to maybe, maybe at the end they get done with that book. And yeah, that was a little bit hard for me. I didn't understand it quite as well as what I could have. But I really liked that book. I want to become a better reader so that I can read the next book of that series.
0: So Jenny, I'm kind of grinning at you there. I know you are. <laughs> I know what you're gonna. I know what you're gonna bring. You up. know what I'm bringing up. I'm bringing up the first ever ICC podcast hate mail segment. <laughs> bring um, it on. AR accelerated accelerated reader kind of puts those limitations on kids. It does. As far as it's it's a program where it says you read between this and this. You take quizzes. Depending on how you do with that, you move up to the next level. You
1: can only read yellow dot books.
0: Correct. Now, I have always said education, there is no cookie cutter approach. Mm-hmm. So I know there's kids who have been super motivated by AR. Right. That That's what, in first or second grade, they just started consuming books because they, they were all about those points. They were all about advancing the next level. It worked for them. There are kids it doesn't work for. Yep. My Hannah, she, it's, it's been a hindrance for her because... The books she wants to read are just outside her level, and sometimes she can read them and sometimes she can't, but it kind of stifles it a little bit. It stifles that passion to, I'm, I'm curious about this, I want to read about this, but yet some arbitrary number or dot on the book is saying, you can't read that, mm-hmm. where that could be the book that hooks them to
1: becoming a reader. Right. And go back to that question of becoming a teacher of reading. If I'm telling kids that you can't read a certain book, what kind of teacher of reading am I? Am because exactly what you just said. If they don't have that motivation, if they if they miss that opportunity to read that book that would have taken off their reading, the love their love of reading, then that goes back to me not being a teacher of reading. A teacher of reading is teaching kids to be passionate readers that love to pick up books. Um.
0: So today I had the opportunity to, one of our fourth grade teachers does like book share outs where the kids put together a bag of books and share out why they're important to their lives. And before the kids do it, she has a couple of guests come in and do it. So I got to do that today. And one of the books I presented was a woodworking book.
1: Oh, you're kind and of taking that up a little bit more and yeah, figuring things out. Yeah.
0: And a lot of the stuff I'm reading in this book, I have, I have no idea what it's talking about. Like, they're mentioning different, like a lap joint. And I'm Googling, what's a lap joint? Because it's in here. <laughs> yep. And then I have to figure that out to go to the next page and so forth. But my passion to be able to complete this project or learn what's in this book is helping me overcome the barriers of the limited knowledge I have at this point of that. And then showing the kids even, which is something I wish I did a better job of when I had Uh, my students back in in special ed time was showing them how reading can lead to a definitive outcome. So Mm -hmm. I read this book. I learn how to make a dovetail joint. Here's the box I made because I've read this book, as opposed to reading will lead you on all sorts of adventures, which it can, But at the same time, like, I can learn stuff here, apply it, and, like, see a direct outcome of what I read and how that influenced my life.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that goes along with um, what Gravity Goldberg says in her book, too, that letting kids pick independent. So the mindset shift of this book is that, you know, she's kind of saying that we do our instruction through their independent reading. So, um, Students have their independent reading books and that when they are reading independently that we are going around and we are conferencing with kids. What are you reading? Um, we're teaching them um, standards or we're teaching them the um, the comprehension skills that they need to learn. But then our expectation is for them to go back into those independent books to figure out how those uh, strategies fit into what they're reading. Um, and I think that's where the difference is with elementary um, I'm going to preface that, that as I read this book, I kept thinking, oh, this would be really, really great for kids, maybe fifth grade on up, maybe even fourth grade on up. But there is still that level of teaching that we have to give kids, you know, K3, you know, K K4, even K4, um, on even how to be a reader. What are some of those decoding skills? You have phonics, you have um, all of those those pieces that have to go into it. But what we need to make sure is that We're able to take standards and we're able to take comprehension strategies and we're able to teach them successfully so that students can go into their independent books and use those comprehension strategies to help them better understand the books that they're reading independently. So if there is a book that maybe is a a little bit more difficult, they have some of the tools that they can use to better understand those. You said you, whatever that joint was you said, I don't remember. The lap joint.
0: It's so a very simple joint, Jenny. Okay. Let me indulge you. Awesome. So you would basically take a the end of a piece of board Okay. and cut half of it off. All right. So you kind of make an L, remove an L from the end of the board. 90 degree angle. Yep. Right? And then do that with the other one, and then they lay on top of each other. Okay. So you'd use it for like a picture frame.
1: Okay. Oh, well, yeah. And I'm... I just
0: did a terrible job explaining, but...
1: Yeah. But... <laughs> I have no idea what a lap joint is. I'm still trying to picture it because I'm thinking of a picture frame that they usually have the...
0: Yeah, that's got like, go. usually, usually it's got a miter joint. Okay. yeah. you could, it'd be more of a...
1: You are getting all technical on We are. That. Okay. We're, we
0: even got hand motions. Hand may-
1: <laughs> but point being, you knew that you didn't understand what a lap joint was you used the the strategy of knowing that you have someplace else that you could go get that information from, and you went and you you seeked out the information that you needed in order for you to successfully create a lap joint.
0: So it's it's really taking, so they're learning all this great stuff in whole group. They're learning great stuff in their guided reading group, and it's just trying to get them to see, like, kids, dudes, this applies to everything you're doing within mm-hmm. reading. If you're reading a history book. These strategies apply. Yeah. Don't just do this at the table or in a large group. Yeah, do it all the time.
1: I was just reading a book um, that it's called standard to, "Standards to Stations." Um, is basically the title of it, or the 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 idea of it. That whole group. Here's a standard that I've taught. Now, how do I move that standard practice into the literacy stations that my kids are working on? And one of the things that they had talked about was how. Um, You know, we have such a, well, we're teaching reading, so we need to only do reading now. We can't bring in math. Or now we're teaching writer's workshop, so we can only work on our writer's workshop things. Or now it's science. We're only working on science. And in this book, it really talks about that open thinking of, okay, so if in science right now I am doing materials in motion, that's my theme for science. And I want to somehow create a station during my literacy stations that has kids working and learning about more of the materials and motions. So she gave the idea of you get extra books uh, from the local library that fit whatever your science learning is during your science time. And then you're doing your literacy stations. The kids are doing a compare and contrast. Okay. There's your comprehension strategy. Yeah. Comparing what did I learn in science to – um what I'm reading in the books. She said "To you could do a board that says what I already know or things we might learn. So as they find things about materials and motions in these books during your literacy stations, they're putting those up on those boards on the, the chart. And then when it comes time for science, when you're introducing a new vocabulary, you're introducing a new um, activity that the kids are going to do, it sparks those kids to say, hey, I read about that in another book. So it again is just getting kids to realize that the knowledge that I learn in in during guided reading or whole group reading isn't just confined to that time that what I learn in science isn't just confined to learning that in science that everything needs to intermingle and intertwine
0: It's the gateway to all other learning. yes, that's what reading is. We want kids to be able to do this stuff. We're not just teaching them how to compare and contrast so they know how to compare and contrast. We want them to go out and do it.
1: Yes. And, and for them to be able to do it independently and successfully where they just understand that skill, um, where they just understand what they were taught, and they can go and they can apply it to any book that they're reading. It doesn't have to be, okay, boys and girls, today with your independent reading time, you are going to talk about characters' feelings. Well, if they're reading... A book about volcanoes they're not going to talk about character feeling so it doesn't fit that independent reading that we give them the tools and the strategies and then whatever they're reading they they know what strategies they can use to help them better comprehend And they know what they
0: have to use yes so i can't i've never made a lap joint because i was trying to make a different joint the lap joint was just there but now i know if i need to i can make a lap joint it's it's in the uh the knowledge bank of Greg Detmeyer's jointery abilities.
1: And that is powerful. I can't wait to get a picture frame homemade from you that has a lap joint. It would have on this it. face in it. <laughs> the, open face. The open
0: face. <laughs> so. Well, Jenny, this mindset shift, I feel, is one, it's gonna be very important for us here in Western Dubuque as we shift our reading curriculum as, or as we look for where we're heading next with that. I also feel bigger education wise, we're in the middle of a pendulum swing where we were way over here and now we're coming back to, or coming to this thought process of teaching the reader and kind of meeting them where they are and allowing that choice and everything we've kind of talked about today.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to throw out there too. I feel like there's a lot of, Teachers, instructional coaches that are probably listening to this saying, Well, I've always felt like I needed to instruct based off my students' needs. But we've always had we've we've had that in the back of our mind. We've had those those curriculums that are just there saying, yep. Okay, here's what we need to do. Now we're gonna move forward. Even thinking that um, everybody's ready for vowel teams at the same time, or everybody's ready for diagraphs or blends or multisyllable, you know, routines for their words you know that they're all ready to be assessed on different things but if students again we go back to instructional level if students aren't there we're assessing them on things that they don't they shouldn't know yet because they're not ready for it and again just making sure that we have that flexibility to meet students where they are and where their needs are at so it's a very very exciting time so what i'm looking most forward to is that we didn't try to jump in and do this guided reading piece and get too ahead of ourselves. I feel like taking this time out and maybe stepping back a little bit um, is just going to help us kind of process through what our next step is as instructional coaches going forward, working with teachers, but also making sure that the information that we're sharing is the most powerful to help you and have an impact on your own classrooms. And
0: honestly, I think it's great to hear some of this mindsets and moves stuff from Gravity's book, because we could have some great stuff thrown our way And provide some great information but if we're not in the mindset where we see this as valuable and this is what how it needs to look it's just going to fall there and nothing's going to happen with it
1: very well said so well
0: jenny we have some stuff coming up we do yes so like jenny said beginning of the school year next year we are we're seriously digging into the pieces (laughs) of guided reading unless we come back on and say hey we're still not educated enough on this. <laughs> We're learning more, but um, my bet is early on next school year you're, you're going to be getting those, and that'll be a great time mm-hmm. as you launch into guided reading lessons. Also, Jenny, we are going to KPEC again this year.
1: We are well.
0: Well, not okay. we. I. Greg so, gets
1: to uh, carry the carry the load again. Yeah.
0: So last year it was awesome. We had a chance to uh sit down and podcast with the keynote speakers at KPEC, which is a conference put on by Keystone in Dubuque, Iowa. It's pretty legit. I would encourage anyone to conference. come. Maybe come say hi to myself. And sitting in for Jenny will be Kelly Simon again. She did that last year.
1: Thank goodness for Kelly.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm sweating a little bit on the forehead there.
1: Me, I know. Getting, uh, I always get nervous that she's just gonna like jump in and it. take over. She
0: she does a great job come say hi i have no one's gonna say hi now that's just me <laughs> people be like if jenny was there we'd come say hi but yeah. we're not for you so um come to that that's a good time we also have a website www.iccpodcast.com completely redid the thing it's, it looks great looks really neat you
1: did a great job on looks
0: like a professional website pretty it cool is. stuff
1: totally it's legit
0: leave us some listener mail there too maybe you're like
1: God, Craig, I hate
0: you for bringing up AR. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah for bringing up AR. Actually, I probably confused the AR haters and lovers because I kind of walked the line. I you said, did. hey, you, it could be really cool, but it could be damaging too. So,
1: But actually, I would be I would love to hear from people on their thoughts on AR because I think we do go back and forth with that. Yes, it's good. No, it's not. Yes, it's good. No, it's not. So it would be very interesting to get some feedback so. on that dropping the (laughs) f-bombs
0: follow us on facebook or twitter as well icc underscore podcast for twitter and instructional coaching corner on facebook we would love to connect with you there anything else jenny i think we're good all right as we leave ask yourself what one thing could i do tomorrow that will make me a better version of myself then wake up and do it because greatness isn't achieved by a single step but instead, a series of small, intentional steps. That was a little rusty, and I went off <laughs> off memory there. It was close That's, enough. That was close enough. It's been a while. Hey.
1: Regardless, go be awesome.